that Ruben, you know, is going to be going home to the Philippines because their daughter is going to get married, right? Some of you know that you're starting to have white hair and you're, and you're like me, you know. I can no longer pull, pull, pluck all the white hair because it's more than my black hair now, right? But it also makes me realize we're changing because if I don't change, something's wrong with me. And folks, change is good, especially if it is towards what God's purpose is in our lives. Change can also be bad if it's changed towards the worse. But the most beautiful part about change, the only thing that doesn't change is the Lord. Because he's changeless. But you and I are being changed by God as we become more like him. And so this morning, I just want us to make sure that we are understanding where we are in terms of our, our preparations for where the Lord will be taking us. So make, let me make sure this is working here. Okay. Okay, it works. Thank you. We just shared last Sunday what it means to become a, a part of the body of Christ. You and I are all a part of the body of Christ, and you are important. Every one of us here today is important in the sight of God because you're part of the family. You're part of the body. I gave you a challenge last week, and I hope you have responded to that. You need to know that as a part of the body of Christ, as a member, you have a spiritual gift. If you don't know your spiritual gift, you need to know. Because if you're not functioning in that giftedness, that is where frustration can come in. Not only that, you will not have a sense of expectancy that God can do greater things because you will limit yourselves. But if you're operating within your giftedness, God is going to use that. So you need to give us your spiritual gift. So at the end of the service today, before you leave, make sure you give it to Pastor Chris or myself or my wife or maybe to Bok. Your three spiritual gifts. All right? If you haven't taken the survey, I sent you a thing online. You need to know what they are. All right? Second, we also need to know what they, where, where are you passionate about? What is your passion? Where is it that God has given you gifts, talents, but also abilities? Because that's where God will also be using us. So you need to tell us as well, why are we doing this? So we can know where you fit well. Because in a short while, because of our time, I'm going to limit my message here. You need to know the difference between a job and a ministry. The difference between a job and a ministry. God is giving us all spiritual gifts for the sake of ministry. Because if it is not a ministry that you're doing right now, it is going to be a job. You will not enjoy it. You will be forced to do it. It's not going to come from your heart. But the most important thing that when we do this, for what purpose? It's not to make you feel good. It's not that, that somebody will pat you back, oh, golly, oh, you're so good, right? It's not about that. I'm glad what Sister Man shared earlier. It's about giving God the glory. That God gets the glory of what he can accomplish through you and to accomplish his purpose. Now, we're changing places. We're going to another building over there. God is not limited in this building. It's not about, it's not about this place. It's where God is taking us so we can accomplish his purpose. You better get excited about this. So just to review, so, you know where we shared earlier, we said everybody is supposed to know why you should become a member of the church. Why? It's God's purpose. It's also a place where you can impact the world. It's also a place you can be accountable towards one another. It's a place where you can carry out God's mission. This is just a review. Second, you need to know how you function as a member. You function as a certain part of a whole by knowing that God has given you a gift to the Holy Spirit. And by this, you can be fulfilled. 
What else did we say? You need to find ways to discover that. I'm glad Sister Sharon approached me last Sunday. Says, what do you think is my spiritual gift? I'm glad she asked me about that. I feel like, uh, I think it's like this. And she pointed out something. I said, correct. She has got the gift of evangelism. Now, let me remind you about something here. Just because you don't have the gift, and I forgot to share this last time, does not mean that you cannot function in that area. For example, Sister Sharon has the gift of evangelism. So you say, oh, I, I don't have to evangelize. She's got the gift. No, the Bible says, do the work of an evangelist in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In other words, we need to go and evangelize if we don't, even if I don't have the gift. Some people say, you know what? I don't have the gifts of helps. That's why I'm not going to help. Because my gift is the gift of leadership. We need to help even if I don't have the gift of helping. Oh, I don't have the gift of hospitality, so therefore I don't have, I'm, I'm not going to be hospital. No, we all need to be able to be doing that. But here's the difference. If you got the gift, when everybody drops out, if that's your gift, you do it because you enjoy doing it. For example, if I have the gift of helping, you know the cleanup on Saturdays? Some of us will go and clean. And by the way, we all have to do those kind of work. But the person has the gift of helping. When everybody's no longer helping, you know what they will be doing? Sunday after Sunday. They love doing it. That is a gift. Doesn't mean we cannot help, but we need to help. So I just want to make sure we understand that. We talked about application. So here's the word of wisdom before we, before we move for our message today. Please do not compare your gift with others. Oh, I want to have that kind of gift that that brother or sister over there. No, no, no. God has given you a gift for you to use for his glory. Stop comparing. His gift is better than mine. No, there's no such thing as higher gift and lower gift. All the gifts are important. Remember what he said? Even the little thing on your feet, it's important. So there is no place for comparison. What else? All the gifts of the church is important for the life of the church. And if you're not using your gift, then the church is going to miss on that. You better know what your gift is. You can serve even if that is not your gift. What else? If you're faithful in using your giftedness, it will lead to what? Fruitfulness. If you keep doing this over and over again, you'll start to see some fruits as a result of that. Not only your life, but the people that you'll be discipling. And lastly, when you keep doing that, at the very end, I like what brother said over here. God is going to say to you, well done. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? All right. And so this morning, not only do we become the body of Christ, here's the second part that is very critical. If I have a spiritual gift, what then is important about this gift? We need to learn how to behave. Our actions, our attitudes will start to show what it really means to become a part of the body of Christ. So behavior is important. In other words, how we act. How is this going to be lived out? So how does this take place? Watch carefully. I'm just going to go through some verses because of our time. When you become a Christ person, you become transformed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what happens? He becomes a what? There will be change. Folks, if you're not changing, it means you have not become a new creation. That's why change is good, because there will be some changes in our life. The oldest past and new things have come. 
you will start to change. And let me share with you one of the, one of the signs of changes. You think less of yourselves and you think more of others. One of the signs of a person that's been changed, it's not of getting, but it's more of serving. You start showing me a person has been changed, it leads towards service and loving for others. What else? Oh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You know this verse. Notice what it says. Brothers, because of God's mercy, he reached out to us. He says, present your bodies as a what? A sacrifice. Something that you're willing to offer. It is living. It is not dead. In other words, you will continue to be growing and you're offering it for what? Because it's holy. It is wholesome. It's pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Now I want you to look at verse 2 because I'm going to camp on this a little bit here. It says, do not be what? Conform to this age, but be what? Now when you become a member of a church... Many times we bring this with us. Because when you're young in the faith, you still bring some of your old life. Let me use about the word conformer. I think if you went to Bible study, remember last time? Nehemiah? Conformer, reformers, transformers. I took that. Somehow I love that, right? A conformer, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't change automatically, right? What happens sometimes, you still bring your old life with you. You still want to please People, you still come to church thinking that, okay, I know that I'm a Christian, like a baby. I need to be cared for. You're still self-centered. You still have interests that many times will still draw you. Why? Because you still want to follow the world. Even though you come to the canton of the Lord, you still hold on to those things. Why? You're still a child. You're still self-centered. But then there's a second stage when people start to reform. They want to be following what the church wants them to be doing. In other words, they try to make changes in their lives by being faithful, by working so hard, because they believe by being reformed and trying to work hard, maybe I will gain God's favor. From a conformer who still works over here to trying to be a reformer, I will start going to church. I will start reading my Bible. Well, you can become like a Pharisee because of that. But you know what is God's goal for life? It's right there. It's the third one. You become transformed. Now, let me talk about conformers before I forget here. You know what conformers are? First John chapter 2. They still love the world. Notice what the world says. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the lifestyle. If you're the world, you still love those things. Now, notice what happens. When you're a conformer, these are the things that the world promises. Have you, have you ever seen some of those commercials about beer? What does beer offer? Friendship, right? They make you feel good. When you drink this stuff, you got all these friends. What else? It makes you feel good, all right? Somebody says, if you drive this car, you feel like luxury, right? Like people say, well, when you, when you put that kicker, ooh, cheap, you know? You feel like prestige. We are still holding on to possessions, power, prestige, popularity, and we even want to be politically correct. This is what the world promises to you, folks. And when you become a Christian, sometimes we still hold on to that. We want power. We want control. We want people to say, wow, a galing. Look at them. They have the latest cell phone. 
nice car, nice clothes, nice job. You're popular on Facebook. Politically correct. Folks, let's be careful. Show me somebody who is a conformer. That's what they look for. Politically correct. That hurts me right now because people who are part of churches today want to be politically correct. They want to conform. Did you know that the PC USA just this week, look at, look at, look at the news. This is a Presbyterian Church USA. This is what you call the liberal group, right? There's the PSA uh, America that is the more conservative one. They decided as a denomination, more than 3 million of them, that they will now allow homosexual marriages in the church. You know what I call that? Conforming. That's what you call evolving. Why they're saying because we are evolving, so we can kind of reflect the community and tell them that we love them. You don't compromise the word of God, folks. Now, let me warn you. It hasn't happened only with the Presbyterians. There's the Southern Baptist Church. Let me see if I can. There it is. I just pick up the news right there. They approve. They're trying to define. Notice their definition of marriage. Instead of a man and a woman, to two people traditionally, um, in other words, it used to be a man and a woman, and now any two people. Folks, how can you procreate? What is, you have to get somebody else's family to make your own. And if that happens, everything starts to break apart. I'm just saying that happens there. By the way, warning. Here's the second warning. Alabama Baptist Church, this fellowship over pastors gave friendly views. Not only gave friendly views, this pastor has decided in this church homosexuality is okay, and he is going to officiate homosexual marriages. Folks, we are redefining what marriage is, and the Bible says it's so clear it doesn't change. And by the way, that is conformity. And if the church takes that direction, then you better be careful about that church. Because that is a sign that the church has made compromises to enter God's word. By the way, God's word doesn't change. It does not change. If the Bible says it's a lie, it's a lie. If it's adultery, it's adultery. If it's murder, it's murder. All right? Stop playing around with this. We like to change stuff. Conformity. Now, notice what happens here, too. We have to understand. When you give people hard teaching, notice what the early Christians did. There were, there were many of the disciples who heard what Christ was teaching. This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Some people don't like to hear what God's word. Why? Because it doesn't conform to their life or what they want. Now look at the warning in John 6, 66. From that moment, many of the disciples, what? Turned back and no longer followed him. This is a warning. Just because you come to church, just because you claim to be a follower of Christ, you can be in that crowd. Because when it gets hard and it deals with, deals with sin in our lives, many times we don't want to hear it. God says, you better listen to what I say because my word does not change. If you are conforming, then you're still of the world. But God wants to transform us. Reformers, they're like the Pharisees. They're transformers. I want to talk about more in the, in the coming Sundays. They know they're called by God into a relationship with him. He calls every one of us to be a part of his body. What else? He challenges in Luke chapter 6. 
Let your yes be yes and you know be no. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is actually my disciples. That was one in Luke, Luke chapter 6. And then he tells us, if you are really my disciples, you will deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. Okay, his demand. His demand says, I want you to follow me now, not tomorrow or later on. Let me give you the cost of discipleship. When you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you will need to, here's the word, you will need to hate your parents. You will need to give up your children. You will need to give up even your careers. Let me ask you. If God gives you that requirement, are you still going to follow the Lord? See, it's hard. You know why? Because nowadays, sometimes we even put our family first before the Lord. We put our career first before the Lord. We put our children even before the Lord. The Bible says, if you're not willing to give up those things, you cannot follow me. You can be my disciples. Now remember this. He doesn't want you to hate them. He's not saying, you can't put them first over me. Because I own you. I died for you. You are supposed to be mine for his glory. Use your family. Use your career. Use your children to what? To serve the Lord. All right? So now because of our time, I just want you to look at one more verse here. It talks about not our interest. But I want you to notice this verse. In, let's go to John chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles with you, open me to John chapter 13. Brother Robert, if you can pull up John chapter 13, please, for us. Because I didn't put the whole verses there. I'm sorry. But I want us to look at John chapter 13. Let me camp on this. And afterwards, I'm going to on my message. John chapter 13. What is so important about John chapter 13? This is the Lord Jesus Christ washing the feet. Let me give you the background. The Lord Jesus Christ was with his disciples. Remember in, uh, in that, and up that, that room? And while they were coming together, they were supposed to have a wonderful meal together. Now, in, in those days, you know, you go there with dirty feet. All right. Well, why don't we, why don't we just read the verses together here? Because, and then I want you to just make sure this becomes our study. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's first one. Let's go to the next verse, brother. Now by the time supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hand, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. This was all the Lord's preparation here. So he got up from the supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Stop right there. They're going to have dinner, Lord's Supper. What does the Lord Jesus Christ do? He got up. He got up. He took his robe aside and put a towel and tied it around himself. What was he doing? He was about to wash the disciples' feet. Now folks, put it this way. You're all gathered together. You're supposed to eat. And by the way, they used, there has to be actually a servant to wash somebody's feet. Why? When you walk out there, your feet are all dirty and dusty. You may have stepped on some un- unidentified object there that even stinks, Right? And you sit down, and usually when they sit down, they kind of recline with some pillows, right? And their feet are sticking out. 
Alam, in the Philippines, it's like dulang, there's those little table. And so you can actually see people's feet, all right? It is somebody's job to wash their feet. The question is, they're just about to eat, and nobody wants to wash somebody else's feet. Why? Maybe somebody said, you know what? Last time, Lord, it was my time to wash their feet in their own mind. It's not my turn. Or somebody says, you know what? Maybe it is the other disciple. That's, that's his spiritual gift of washing. Not me. Or maybe somebody said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm really busy beside Jesus Christ talking right now. I don't think I have time to wash feet because it's more important than washing your feet. You may have all kinds of excuses. You know, it says, I'm not, not going to do that. I'm a disciple. Why should I be washing feet? Every one of them, none of them stood up. Why? None of them wanted to become a servant. And who was the first person to stand up? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because that picture is a picture of you and me. Because we're all self-centered people, we don't want to be servants. This goes against the grain of the world today. Think about this. The Bible tells us in Matthew, people today want to be served. People want to have prestige. People want to make sure you are looked after. But Christ says, okay, nobody wants to do it. So what did he do? He stood up. He took the initiative. Why? Because that's what it means to be a servant of the Lord. Let's move on to the next verse, please. Next, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a the towel tied around him. He started washing the disciples' feet. Let's move on. He came to Simon Peter. Look at this. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, Lord, you shouldn't be doing that. Listen, you are God. You are leader. You're going to be washing me, my feet? In other words, Peter said, you shouldn't be doing that. What was the next? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but afterwards, you will know. Move on to the next verse. You will never wash my feet ever, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash your feet, you have no... Peter said, ah, no way, Lord. You know, Father Spiritual, Lord, 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 no, not my feet, Lord. Don't you dare wash my feet. He was like saying, God, if I'm in your place, I won't do that. No, you can't wash my feet. But what Christ said, you want to be a part of me? You allow me to wash your feet. Christ said, if I'm going to be the person you're following, you better allow me to. What was the, what was the response after this? Look at verse 9. Simon Peter said, Lord, don't just wash my feet. What else? Hey, Lord, you can wash my hands. You can wash my head. You can wash my body. You know, I say, okay, Lord, I want to be, I want to follow you, Lord. Not only my feet, wash my whole being. Folks, even Peter had to be rebuked. And then let's follow more verse 10. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but it's completely clean. You're clean, but not all of you. I want you to notice from these verses here, and I'm just going to use this as, as, as an example for us to think about. Remember this. If you and I are following the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to follow his example. It is not about you anymore as you're following the Lord. It's about servanthood. Second thing about this thing that the Lord gives us. There is no 
work in the Lord's ministry that is menial or unimportant. So let me ask you right now, what is the most menial job that needs to be done in the church today? Think about it. In other words, if you would say in your life, I'll never do that. If that's how you feel about that, let me give you the challenge. You better do it. Because that is what God is telling us. If you're going to follow me, you will even take the most menial job that nobody wants to take. Because that's what I'm expecting from you. If it's cleaning the bathroom, somebody says, Ooh, I'm not going to clean the bathroom. All those people using that bathroom, it stinks. All those guys placing the guy's toilet, they don't know how to take care of that. Listen, if that's the most menial thing, you better do it. I remember a father, he was telling his son, son, go clean your bathroom. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'll do it. Weeks pass by, son, better clean your bathroom. You know, things are growing there already, right? Yes, dad, I'm going to do it, right? He keeps doing it. And sometimes his parents want to do it, right? Well, he was called to the military. He joined the military. You know, in the military, you know about that. They even ask you to use your toothbrush to clean those things over there. Your toothbrush. So you better make sure it's clean because you'll have to use that. So use your toothbrush. Well, he got home. So he said, son, so what did you learn about joining the military? Oh, dad, I learned one word. What is the word? Now. (laughs) In other words, folks, God wants you to start doing something. When are you supposed to do it? Don't wait. Don't wait for the time there's a bulletin that's being sent out there. What it's telling us, if you see something that needs to be done, you better start doing it now. If you see something out there in the toilet that needs to be cleaned, you clean it. Something needs to be picked up, you pick it up. You need to teach your children how to do this because our kids are taught entitlement. You do it for them. No, they have to learn how to serve because that is God's example. And dad, where does it start? At home. We all need to be servants. So guys, I'm going to give you one challenge today. I learned it from another guy. I, I, I still fail. You need to be a servant. You know, sometimes when you go to a hotel, when they stop, somebody like opens the door. Then you close the door, right? When was the last time you've seen somebody do that? Is that a servant ministry? Okay, guys, I'm going to ask you to do something. Okay, and ladies, you hold this them accountable. My wife should hold me accountable for this because I, I still fail. I try. When you get out of the church today, when your wife comes to that car, guys. Start showing servanthood. What do you do? You better open that door. Okay? If it's awkward, it's okay because it's awkward. You've never done it before, all right? Open that door and says, Now, if your wife is like, mm, How many days is he going to do this? Listen. All right? The following day, when you go to the car, ladies, don't go inside your car in this kind of way. It says, yes. Now, somebody said, pastor said, no. God's word says, you need to be a servant. It starts somewhere. Amen? So do it. Even if it's the most menial thing. Do it. Because even the Lord Jesus Christ 
Nobody asks him, what does a servant do? Have you ever seen what servants do? You know, sometimes in the Philippines, we use the word helper, yaya. Folks, that is a beautiful word. From now on, you be a helper. I know when you go back to the Philippines, all of a sudden, you like, you change it. Like, oh, that's a, I'm in the Philippines already. Water, please. <laughs> Listen, you go back and show that you change. All right? That should be your attitude. When you are willing to do something that you are not willing to do, and you learn to do it because of God's example. So what are we trying to share with you today? Here's the nutshell. Because of our time, I could have spent more time here. The nutshell that we're asking for you as a behavior is this. You need to be a servant. Because Christ gave us the greatest example. And how do you know if a person is a a servant? Because when nobody is watching, you still like to do this because you're not serving these people. Who is serving? Is the Lord. When you take care of this chair and you fix it, it's not for you. Who knows the next person that will sit here, maybe the person would come to the Lord. Who knows the very thing that you're preparing for, God will use so people will come to know about Jesus Christ. Because you realize, if you don't do this, somebody may not be able to benefit because of your negligence. Let me put it another way. Take every ministry that you have for the fullness of heart. So how do I know if my ministry is a job or a ministry? Here's the difference. If it's a job that you're supposed to be doing, you look for success. You look for people tapping you at the back. If it's a ministry... You know it's a ministry because when you do it, there's joy because you're glorifying the Lord. You know it's a job in a ministry? A job is you only do it once, right? Because it's a job. But if it's a ministry, you will keep on doing it. For example, I had a little discussion about this too. You know, a lot of people have a challenge with pot bless, right? If you have the gift of serving and helping, pot bless should not be a burden. Because when you're feeding those kids and those people every Sunday, that may be the only meal that the homeless people have out there on a Sunday. That person in school, that may be the only meal that they can afford to come to on a Sunday. And that may be the only meal that they can have. If that is your son or your daughter going to places and they don't have money, what kind of food will you feed them? Folks, if that's what you can do Sunday after Sunday, it's because your heart is there. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, I don't have the gift of helping and serving. You can still help, right? But the person has the gift of serving week after week after week after week. They just love doing it. Because that is their offering to the Lord. If you have the gift of hospitality, you will be out there Sunday after Sunday welcoming people. When you open the door, you open the door. You bring an umbrella. You welcome them. You usher them. If you have the gift of teaching week after week, you just love to teach. It's not a burden. Why? If it's a gift, it's something that you will serve the Lord year after year, day after day. And why? It produces faithfulness and fruitfulness. And so lastly, 
because of our time, here's my challenge, one more. Because what you're doing may make a difference in a person's life. Now, what is being taught here in the washing of feet? It's not how to wash the feet. Because if Jesus Christ was talking about how to wash the feet, he said, oh, by the way, let me tell you how to wash the feet. You take a basin, put warm water, take a towel, and he didn't teach them how to wash the feet. Why was he washing the feet? Because he was teaching them spiritual truths about servitude. So let me put it this way. If you're in the audiovisual department, if you're in the music department, if it's in the ushering, it's not just about doing these things. Now, while you're doing these things, make sure you understand this. You are teaching somebody to become close to the Lord and making disciples. In other words, while you're washing the feet, talk about the Lord. When you're cooking, it's not just how to cook the best meal. While you're cooking together, talk about Jesus. Bring somebody, disciple them, and help them grow. When you're doing audiovisual, not only you teach them audiovisual stuff, you teach them to become closer to God. So that by doing this, they can also teach others. See what I'm saying? It's not about the washing of the feet. It's not the technique of how to wash the feet. It's how to serve the Lord. And by doing this, you bring people closer to God. So Brother Doddy, when you have the praise team over here and the team, when you come together, it's not just about technical stuff here. Making sure that you're growing together and helping people come closer to the Lord. When you're ushering, you're ushering people to become closer to the Lord. So here's how I'm going to close with this. During the war, there were ladies who would put clothes together to make the parachute. Okay? They would try to make sure that those parachutes would be done well. So that when you jump, your parachute would what? Open. But this is what the people said made it more meaningful. said, when you sew that parachute and those seams... Make sure that they are sewn properly. Because you never know that parachute may be used by your husband, by your son, by your neighbor. Because if that parachute doesn't open, that parachute may mean life and death. And folks, if God is asking you to do something in this church, if you don't do it well, it could be that somebody might miss the opportunity to hear the gospel about Jesus Christ. You might miss the opportunity to give God the glory because God has given you talents and gifts and yet you're not using it. I pray God is going to use those gifts and talents for his glory and for his honor. So I pray, folks, it is an attitude of servitude. It's the attitude of not a job, but a ministry. It's an attitude of blessing rather than catching. Let's close in prayer. Well, every head's about and everybody's close. The question that I want to bring up before you this morning is this. What is your ministry? If you don't have a ministry today, I pray that by knowing your gifts and your abilities, that God will place you where you can bloom and be faithful and be fruitful. That through your life, other people will come to know about Jesus Christ. And they will follow the Lord Jesus Christ as well. My next question as well is this. What is it that you don't like doing? That you think it's so ordinary, so menial, and you feel like, why am I supposed to do that? Somebody else would. If that is an attitude that needs to change, the Lord, 
you pray, Lord, change my heart that I would be willing to serve rather than to be served. Lord, you know our hearts here this morning. Many times there are things that we don't want to do and we expect others to do it. Forgive us, Lord, if our attitude is more like becoming a Lord rather than a servant. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't give our very best, when that's what they expect from us. Forgive us, Lord, when we see the need, but we're not willing to step in and do something about it. Forgive us, Lord, when we realize that what we're doing may impact the lost people out there. And Father, let us see that this is all important in your sight. So, Father, I pray that even as a church, as a body of Christ, not only, Lord, would you empower us with your spirit, that you will give us the gifts, but, Lord, give us the right attitude. A servant attitude filled with humility, with love, because we love you, and because, Lord, we love the people that you give us to love. Lord, start in our own homes, in our church, and the places where you place us, dear Lord. Help us to have that servant attitude so that at the end you can say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we know we cannot do this on our own. And therefore, in the name of Jesus, we ask the Lord for your strength, your empowering, and your transforming word, the Lord, that will change our hearts and our minds. So we will no longer be conformed to the lifestyle and mindset of this world, but we'll be transformed because, Lord, you have changed us to become more like your son. Lord, help us to become more like Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. It starts in our own lives, our own home, this church, and even the community where you place us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. In response to God's word, let's use this as a response as our song. Mm-hmm.